What is happening, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fresh Hope for a Better You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Goulet, and I'm here to bring you some fresh hope for your day. For all you new listeners out there, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire, educate you on how you can become the best version of yourself through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and discipline. I have been on the self-development journey for over five years myself, and I went from being an overweight drug addict to someone who's in control of their destiny. I share my experiences and stories that have helped me along the way that have shaped me into the man I am today in hopes of inspiring you to become a better version of yourself. There is multiple formats of the show. Monday shows are the solo ones where I share personal stories and things I've learned along my self-development and entrepreneurial journey that I know will help you become a better version of yourself. Thursday's episodes are called Stories of Fresh Hope, and that is where I bring high-achieving guests on that have overcome extreme adversity in their lives to show you that I'm not the only one that has done it and so that their stories might resonate with yours better than mine did. With that being said, I'd like to welcome welcome aboard this week's guest, my fellow Arte brother, my mentor, and someone I look up to extremely, uh, Brad Modridge. Brad is a husband, father, a man of God, and an entrepreneur. Brad is the owner of Trifecta Credit Solutions, co-owner of Just Aesthetic Med Spa, and his newest business venture, Bright State Solar. Brad is also a coach, but he's not one of those bullshit ones that built his wealth on coaching. He just gives back to the people, which is amazing. Uh, Brad is heavily invested into First Form, just like myself, except for he's a true OG to the game with them and has been running the game plan for years and his life reflects it. So with that being said, welcome aboard, Brad, and I appreciate you joining us today. Man, uh, I thanks for being on, bro. Um, I mean, that was that was the mouthful. I gotta I gotta be sure to write you a check for all those good things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, but man, uh, when you know when when you asked me to be on this, there there are a few young men that that I know that you and I both know. It wasn't even in question that I wanted to be on here for you. So, man, let's uh, let's get at it. Let's let's give the people what they need. Well, hell yeah! Let's start off with telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story and how you got to where you're at today, brother. Yeah, um, you know. Born and raised Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I take pride in that. Um, I think it's it's important to know where you're from. Uh, you know, single 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 income household we grew up in. My mom did you know the best that she could. It was me and my two sisters. Low household income, and uh, we were just constantly, constantly just um, always seemed like we were behind the eight ball. Man, it was just uh, it was is. You know, I, I, I've been saying this for years and, and, and I hope this, this makes sense. You know, I used to say we grow up in a, a low household income and, you know, as I'm, I'm growing in my journey, I'm definitely thinking about the intentionality of words. And you know what, when, when, when I think about how I grew up, even though it was rough, we, it was low household income. It was what I knew. Like it was normal to me. So it wasn't like I was in this like fear mode. It was like that, like if, if we were to go to some tribe in Zimbabwe and we would ask, you know, people that were living poor, like, are they poor? They wouldn't even know because that's what they knew. Does that make sense? You know yeah. what I mean? So like, I, I, I know I've always said, you know, I came from this low household income on the East side of Allentown, but at the end of the day, um, that, that was what I knew. Like, so it wasn't like I had this like trauma and I'm like, the more and more I think about it, especially after the event that, you know, you just came and attended in, in Allentown, it was what I knew. 
Like it was all that I knew. So it was easy to be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. And I think this is why you and I are both where we're at. Like we don't use that as a, a, a badge of honor or a scar. Like, look at my battle wounds. Look at what I grew up in. Like, that's what we knew. You know what I mean? And it, it's just now starting to click to me. You know, how I grew up is 100% the reason why who I am today. And I don't look at that as scars or badges of honor. It's just, this is who I am. This is my identity. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just, this is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I hope that makes sense, man. So I uh, grew up in Allentown. Uh, was definitely a knucklehead, man. Uh, always into some shit. Always into trouble. Um you know, not having a male role model uh, in, in in my life, a strong male role model anyway, that that led us and, you know, taught us to do the good things. You know, as a young kid without a male role model, and this is why I'm so adamant about pouring into young men, is giving them tools that I never had, right? Uh, you just, I got into shit, Oliver. <laughs> like I was constantly in something in something always it was always in something like always some kind of trouble literally since elementary school uh just always into some shit and then i think where where the real turnaround came my second senior year i got into some trouble and it was either going to juvie or going to the marine corps and the marine corps was the first thing that kind of given me um it gave me the structure and there were men that I saw that, you know, attracted me because of their strong characteristics. Right. I, and I still, and you could, you could relate to this in the Marine Corps, you get three, you get three drill instructors. You get one that really teaches you your drill. You get one that teaches you like your education, um, like Marine Corps history. And then you have one that's called your heavy. This is your physical. This is the guy who's doing PT with you. You're doing your push-ups, your pull-ups, your runs with, I was so attracted to my heavy. Like I would just watch this guy and he was like a machine. And this was the first time. And I think this is probably why I fell in love with fitness is because I watched this guy. I watched his cadence. I watched what he was doing. I watched how he pushed himself. Um, Sergeant Brown, I'll never forget him. He looked like Wesley Snipes, like a four foot Wesley Snipes. Um, the Marine Corps was the first place where I really saw what having a uh, a, a male role model was about. And that's where the change started to happen. Unfortunately, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I got out with a medical discharge. Um, I wasn't completely in the path of doing the right thing. Uh, I got out and I, I, I was, I was a stronger street kid. I was physically stronger. I was mentally stronger um, spirit was still not there, uh, but I was physically stronger. So now you take a street kid, you put him in some type of formal training with guns, hand to hand, how to take care of himself, how to take care of his body. You know, I still wasn't fully, I don't want to say recovered. Um, I wasn't where I needed to be in terms of growing up. Like I still had a lot of growing up to do. Cause I went in, I went in when I was 17 Right. I didn't go in when I was 18, 19. I went in when I was 17 and I got out when I was 19, turning 20. So I still really didn't have um, the growth. I was still still a knucklehead. I was just in my mind, though. I was stronger. I was tougher. I was a Marine. 
green, right? You take now, take that back to the street, right? It just, it made me a stronger street kid. And uh, I moved down to Florida um, out of when I got out of the Marine Corps. And again, um, just fell into uh, a, a drug world of, it was an ecstasy world, dealing a lot of drugs from cocaine, ecstasy, Xanax, we you name it i was dealing it and just part of this this uh this whole scene that was in in the tampa clearwater area and just got into a ton of trouble and then i got arrested um got arrested on a state charge feds picked it up long story short did four years in federal prison and when i was in federal prison that is when i i realized that was not the life I was meant to live. Um, you know, there was a moment in time where there, there, there was a guy that said something to me and he was like, is this what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? And I'll never forget it, Oliver. Like in that moment, that was the time that I knew it is without question, I am not going to live that life. And, you know, I got out uh, while I was in prison. I got my GED. I course correct it started reading a ton of personal training books, got certified as a personal trainer in prison. And then when I got out, I got a job and I haven't looked back since, you know, um, 20 years, I was with the national health club chain as one of their vice presidents. And, uh, in 2019 took the entrepreneurial plunge and everything's been good, man. Everything's just been good. And, and I, this is why I love watching you, especially at your age, because fitness is our foundation, right? Like fitness, fitness is the, 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 the cement ground that we have our, our feet locked in and through fitness and taking care of your body. There's so many things that stem from it. There's so many things that channel off, like having a strong fitness and health foundation, man, I can't wait to see what happens when you're my age. Like I'm literally anticipating what you and you, you know, what we're, what we're doing on the sideline. You know, I can't wait to see you guys five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's going to be a pretty fucking cool thing to see, bro. So um, that's my story. Yeah. Like I, I, I love coaching. I love coaching. I love being direct with people. You know, obviously we're both part of the RTA syndicate um, and prior to that was with first form since 2015 and just being part of watching, you know, the executives at first form before it became this monster that it was, um, you know, Sal, Cody Klein, you know, Aaron, all those guys, uh, TJ, all, all of them at HQ, Cody, uh, Cody Klein. I own it almost everything too with, with first form um, just being part of those guys. And that was the first time I really saw men looking out for other men without expecting anything in return. Besides the accountability of you having to do the right thing. Right. Like that, that's, that, that, that's the, that's the thing. Like when you're part of the first form, like you got to do the right thing. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. We've heard Sal say this a million times, right? And just being part of a, a crew of men and women 
that have this as their their background as their as their foundation like just do the right thing and i'll have your back don't be a fucking turd don't be a piece of shit because that's not part of our culture just do the right thing and first form in my adult life was the first time i really saw what it meant to truly like we hear servant leadership it's it's really took it to a whole other level. And then through first form, obviously, Andy and Ed got together in the RTA syndicate. And that's when I really started to understand the value in me and what I was worth. And it's been a game changer ever since, man. Just consistently being a student of the game, um, just listening and watching and, you know, just being part of these these two amazing cultures, um, I'm excited to see what happens with me in ten years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So it's uh it's been it's been a great ride, but fitness has always been the foundation, bro. Always, always has been, and always will be. Oh yeah. So I know that faith is a huge part of your life uh, now, and I'm curious, like. Were you really into your faith before you went to jail or did you find, you know, your faith in jail or when did that come about? Because I know you're a huge man of God now. Yeah, that actually, that only happened in 2020, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, we didn't know what the fuck, we had no clue what was going on. We had no clue what was going on. We've seen people dying and immediately, and you got to remember, I went to Catholic school. So I, I was raised in Catholicism and, you know, just the whole, the infrastructure of the church, right? You know, you're going to go to hell if you, if you do wrong, that kind of mentality, right? Like straight Catholicism. So it's there's been this seed that's been planted in my head since since a very early age. I was an altar boy. My mom, because we were in a low household income, my mom worked and she cleaned the rectory to pay our tuition for me and my two sisters to go to this Catholic school. And I wreaked havoc in that Catholic school, like so much shit. Like I used to so much to say this for another time. Um, <laughs> just I was a bad kid, right? No, 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 no male role model. Um, so in 2020, when things just started getting crazy, I remember thinking, you know, if I died right now, if I died and I had this mental thought of my funeral and I started to just kind of assess like what the vision of this funeral would be. And you know that we talk about visualization, you know, often in, in Arte. And first form, you know, you got to see it in your mind before you hold it in your hand. I started to visualize what this funeral would look like. And I'm looking and I'm seeing everyone. They're like, oh, Brad, he was a nice guy. He was always motivating, like, you know, just positive accolades. But then like I had this vision where I turned and I, I, I seen my family. And then I'm thinking like, what did I leave them? Like what, what did I, what did I, I'm looking at, at Jan, I'm looking at my Brian, I'm looking at Natalie and I'm looking at my kids and I'm like, what did I really leave them? Like if I died right now in 2020, what did I really leave them besides, Hey, your dad was a good guy. An insurance check. You know, we had some insurance policies, but not nothing, nothing of substance. So then I started to really 
kind of do some soul searching about like, what do I have to do? And at the time there was relationships that I was nurturing that I shouldn't have been nurturing. I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I, I'll never forget it. Uh, we started 75 hard the second week of March, right before the pandemic. Pandemic hits, I'm in 75 hard mode. I start going all of this. We bring the family together. Brian was over in Okinawa. So me, Natalie and Jan, we like started doing fitness on our house. We were working out in the basement. We were on quarantine. We were on lockdown. And I'll never forget the day on May 14th of 2020. I just felt lost. Jan went in to go take a shower that night. And I remember just dropping down on my knees. And I remember looking up and I'm like, yo, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I feel fucking weird. Like I'm supposed to have a conversation with you. And I just started praying. And I just started to have this conversation with God. And I started to read a little bit more in the Bible. And I just, that was the point when I really just released to stop doing the dumb shit. Right. And to really intentionally focus on, on God. And it's, it's still, you know, I'm still early in my walk. I'm still trying to figure out, I'm trying to navigate it. I'm, I'm trying to understand, you know, what, what the Bible really means and where it came from. And, and through this walk of faith, you know, I question it. I question it often, you know, um, but through this, I do know this. When I am focused on my faith and when I am focused on bringing other people around like-minded, faith-driven individuals, there is nothing bad that ever comes from it. It's always positive. Like, you got, I have nothing to lose. And I think sometimes we get in our own way because of the thinking, the analytical, the just all of the thoughts that go through our head. Like I even went through a phase last year um, after church, uh, I'm sorry, after Easter, where I started to really like question Jesus Christ. Like, well, you know, here's this man that, I, and I couldn't conceptualize someone dying and then rising again from the grave. Like, cause we're flesh, we're a flesh. So that really, I really went down a rabbit hole. I started reading the Quran. I started talking to my Muslim friends and just having good conversations about what that meant um, to be a Christian. And then what did that mean? I started talking to some of my Buddhist friends and they all have, they're all strong in their faith and whatever that thing is that they're communicating with. And I'll, I'll never forget um, one of my Muslim brothers uh he said he said you have to internalize where your heart is in that feeling because whatever that thing is that's talking to you that's the belief in what you should you should be leaning in towards he said for me it's muslim he goes and i don't debate you know christianity like i don't I, it's not it's not for debate if that is your belief and that is what you choose and you're doing the right thing and you're living by those core principles. Like if you really look at core principles of, 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 of the Muslim religion, it's do the right thing and believe in God. <laughs> it's literally that simple. There's not the 10 commandments like we have. And it's like, do the right thing 
and you could only believe in one God. And when, when you start kind of peeling back faith and this gets you to, you know, where I'm at, um, in 2021, we started a group called the warriors for Christ. And it's a, it's a bunch of Arte brothers. And I wanted to develop a group that had nothing to do about look at my watch and look at my car and look at, you know, my financials. And every Tuesday we started getting together on, on a call and, we talk about how to be a better father, how to be a better uh, husband, how to be a better brother, and how to be a better leader, while we're all trying to understand our faith in God. And that right there, this group has probably been, not probably, this group has been the best thing that I've ever been a part of because it really shows what a faith-driven um, belief in God with, with other men. And it's a men's group. Um, what happens when you harness that power? And being able to do things for people that can never repay you is probably one of the most important things to me. Like I give unconditionally. Um, I take that back. If you're a turd, I'm not going to give to a turd. <laughs> Don't be a turd, right? Uh, but it's it's just one of those things where um, I am a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better brother. And I'm a better leader when I am doubled down and focused on my faith. And I can't debate that. That's not, that's not like, it is a fact. When I am focused on my faith, everything, then this doesn't mean I don't have problems and I don't have challenges and I don't, you don't have doubt and insecurities and all that other shit. But I know when I am focused on my faith, things just seem to work out. Call that coincidence, which I don't believe. I believe it's the practicality of understanding what your faith is and having grace and being there for people and serving people. And I think the biggest thing that I found in my faith, what I really understand is how to love people. Um, love and grace, I would say, would be the two biggest parts of what I've really come to understand what being a God-like person is is how to love people and how to show grace. So do you think that that has shown within your businesses too, with the ex like the exponential growth that you've had is because you've dove deeper into your faith that it's starting to show like your love for people, your customers and all that stuff. I know we were taught that, you know, love the customer and treat them right and do what you need to do, go above and beyond through first form. But I'm curious if like this just kind of kicked it into next gear within having your faith in store with that. Well, it, it, it did, but let me explain why. And it wasn't the faith that I was pushing into the business and it was me becoming better. And I, I, you know, when we become better, we, we can do better. And when we do better, there's a better result. Right. So, you know, we, we, we all love this, this saying, right. Personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. 
And we know, we know the meaning behind that, but just take the personal excellence part. When you are really striving to be that better version of yourself and you're having honest conversations and you're doing the work and you're a, a student and you're learning and you're humble and you take all of these characteristics of Christianity and faith, the byproduct and the output that comes from you is always going to produce a higher result. So can I say since my faith, I've, I've doubled down on my faith, my business has gotten better for sure. I, I, you know, you can, you can easily say that, but I, I think I, I don't want people to think that, oh, if I start believing in God, everything's going to work out. That's not how it works. Like, I want to be very clear on that. Like you still got to do the work. You still have to be able to have the honest conversation. You still have to be able to, um, self-analyze what you're doing wrong and pivot and move forward. You still have to put in the work. Like this is where the magic happens is by putting in the work. Um, now the workload got easier because I'm thinking clear. I'm thinking better. I'm not as stressed. I could, I can make more fluid movements. I could manage teams better. I could lead other people better because I got better. Right. And how I got better was by focusing on my faith. And you know, this, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and the financial. That's how this comes to life. And then yeah, the, output, the output shows. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It all does come down to putting in the work. I mean, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you're not backing it by, you know, putting in the work, it's not going to really do anything. Yeah, you might feel good during the time of, you know, you praying and stuff, but if you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to go anywhere. So you touched about a little bit about like the self-doubt and stuff like that. And I want to ask you, I know because you're a really high achiever and I mean, I've, we've heard our mentors and stuff talk about is like, do you feel imposter syndrome ever? And how do you overcome that? Uh, imposter syndrome, something that's never going to go away. Um, I can tell you how, yes. So to answer the question directly, yes, I still have it, but I can tell you the times that I have it, is when I'm looking outside the window, when I am looking at other people's things and accolades that we see through the box, right? When I start to look out the window, I stop focusing on what I'm actually doing. And I'm going to use the event for an example, right? You got a chance to come to the event. Now, in my mind, I could have done 10 times better. There are things that I would have done differently, how things like, but everyone that went to, they're like, you're crazy. That was an awesome event. Like you, you, you crushed it. But in my mind, I have a bigger subconscious platform because of what I'm looking outside the window. You see what I'm saying? Cause I'm looking at the big events and I'm looking at the big names because we see it in the marketing. And in my mind, this event that I did, I I'd like for myself, it's like, man, who do you think you are? Like, it, it didn't look like that. And I think the comparison game is where the imposter syndrome comes from. Because you're comparing, like I'm comparing, and you got to remember, I'm on chapter five, and I'm comparing it to someone who's on chapter 25. There's no comparison. They're 20 years ahead of me. Of course, it should look like that. So again, you've heard me say, you heard me say this, stop, detach, observe. I had, you, sometimes I think that the, the observation of truly where you're at 
can diminish the imposter syndrome. And what I mean by that is after like, after the event, I had to look at it like I actually did it. I did it. I threw my first event. I did it. I did what I said I was going to do. I did bring something good to the to, to to market, and there was a success. All boxes checked. And I think sometimes people don't do enough of that. But to be able to stop, detach, observe, let's check the boxes. Yeah. Oh my God, I did bring something great. The only way you could do that is if you do the work. <laughs> so doing the work again is going to help diminish the imposter syndrome because over time, and I said this at the event, right? You keep doing something, doing something, doing something. And then all of a sudden you look back. It's only when you stop and look back at what you actually done that build that ethos inside of you that said, yes, I am doing it. I am not an imposter. That's not fake. That is real. But most people, they keep their eye focused on that window outside and they never stop to really take a look at what they've actually accomplished. What we've accomplished here in five years um, in the combination with you know my wife and I, I hear people in their entrepreneur journeys, like in here, we heard Andy talk about it a million times, sleeping on piss mattresses in the back of the storeroom. I never had to experience that. You know what I mean? So I have to be able to stop and say, yeah, you guys fucking did it. Like you did it. Like you did it. Check. Now you set up the game plan. You do the work to get to the next stage. You do the work to get to the next stage and you just keep planning and pushing, planning and pushing. And over time, the imposter syndrome, uh, it starts to go away. It really does. Um, because then it's there, there's nothing fake about it you're actually documenting the work that you're doing. And when you could document the work that you're doing by facts, not by making your marketing look good and not by making your social media just because you paid someone to chop your shit up and look really flashy. Um, Cause we all, you and I both have, we know people like that. Um, you could actually look at the work and say, you know what? I fucking did the work. And that right there is the only thing that will diminish the imposter syndrome. So it's, oh, yeah. it's about being focused. <clears throat> That's spot on. You know, like sometimes I, I've struggled with my past is like I've had that imposter in the I'm a 26 year old entrepreneur, but I have built a lot of shit and it takes, you know, just that, you know, that step back and just to look at what you've accomplished in order for you to be like, okay, I'm actually doing it. And that'll give you a sense of fulfillment and realizing like, okay, maybe I'm not an imposter. But you're always going to have that feeling. So anyone listening that, you know, you're afraid to start whatever you're going to do because you're going to feel like you're an imposter. There's people like me. There's people like Brad. There's people like Andy and Ed that still feel that imposter syndrome on a daily basis because <clears throat> you're never going to really understand until you're actually going through it and accomplishing it. And you're always just going to have that feeling inside. And with that being said, I want to dive into the United Conquer. First off, Brad, you put on a tremendous event. I've been to quite a few um, entrepreneurship events and self-development events. And that personally to me was the most like personal one in depth because yes, it may not have been huge like all the other ones, but it was more personal. You had it set up to the point where like you wanted everyone to be intentional and listening to the listeners. And then you set aside time after for note taking and gave us actually a uh, basically a breakdown of what we learned from each speaker and stuff like that. So that was absolutely phenomenal. And it was just Overall, it was a phenomenal event, brother, and I give you mad props to that, and I appreciate you doing that. And I want to ask you, what made you want to put on that event? 
Mm. So, uh, I've always wanted to throw an event, right? Because we're part, we're we're in this personal development space, and I've always wanted to. I've always, I, I want to be a speaker. I want to speak at events. I feel, um, I don't want to speak. I want to speak to be able to help people get through some of the obstacles I went through in a quicker time than I, it took me to get there. Right. Cause you know, even though I'm on chapter five of entrepreneurship, I'm on like chapter 23 of personal development, right? This started when, when I was in prison, I started reading books, taking care of myself. So I've always had this, this, um, this want to be able to speak and, and transfer that emotion to people to move them. Right. I always, I want people to be able to take whatever I say and, and take action to move something. Where it really came down was um, my mom passed away this year. And after she passed away, uh, there was just some some amazing realizations that came about breaking a generational curse. And and now mind you, leading up leading up to this point, it was like I always had this question in the back of my head, like how how and where am I gonna um, where am I going to do this event? How can I do this event? Or where am I going to speak at? And then it hit me. For me, I've always been and never forget where I come from. Now, some people can say, well, yeah, you shouldn't forget where you come from, but you should always be looking forward to where you want to go. And I get that. I'm I'm not, it's, it's, it's all the paradigm and how you see things. Uh, when my mom passed away, I had this, this thought where if someone was in my mom's life that was able to coach her, show her, kind of make her pivot into a better position in life because she, you know, her family, she had, she was the youngest of nine. Um, she battled her weight. She had weight issues, you know, so that turns into body dysmorphia and all kinds of other things that didn't really help with her mental. But if someone was there to be able to show my mom, which is a very blue collar mindset, very low household income mindset, something that we see a lot over and over in generation, generation and generation, it's just passed down because no one took the time to actually teach and show the way that's where this whole thing, <laughs> you know, and, and take into account for the past three years, we have been nothing but divided. And the whole purpose of this is I want to be able to teach people the four pillars, which is your physical, your mental, your spiritual, and your financial from a very macro level, meaning building blocks, the basic building blocks to be able to help somebody get further in their life. So they could be the change in their family and they could take the appropriate steps to break their generational curse. That's where it came from. And, you know, I started it off where those four pillars, someone usually has some type of a conflict. They have a conflict with their physical. They can't get to the gym. They can't stay consistent, whatever it is. They have a mental conflict, they have a spiritual conflict, or they have a financial conflict. And this is where, I, and I have the brand that we're going to, it's going to launch in, in January, the Conquer Your Conflicts podcast. Um, 
and it's going to help people break those one of those four conflicts. It's going to help them break down their physical, their mental, their spiritual, and their financial. So then I had this idea like we need to unite and conquer. So that's really where Unite and Conquer came from was to be able to give back to the community and teach people how to really take those first steps in personal development. Like I'm going to the streets. I want this. I want the nine to five worker, the blue collar worker. I want the person who never has seen what personal development looks like. I want to be that light. I want to be that that lighthouse that shows them the way that shines that light that says, yes, you can take care of your physical. You can take care of your mental. You can take care of your spiritual. You can take care of your financial. And these are some basic steps to start that path. And then on top of it, we're going to, you know, this just came out of nowhere. Uh, we're going to support a nonprofit. So hundred percent of the proceeds every year are going to go to a nonprofit this year. It went to the Lehigh community of churches which is a homeless shelter in Allentown. Um, next year, we're going to do something maybe with veterans or battered women, but every year we're going to support a local nonprofit and that's where 100% of the proceeds are going to go to every year. That's yeah, that was so badass. When you gave that check to her this year, that was a very uh, touching moment. I know I was in tears. I know a lot of other people were because you, know, you threw on such a big event and most people like in the space that we know, they're doing the shit for money. And it just yeah. goes to show how great of a person you are because it's not about the money for you. You have real businesses. You're not doing this to make money. You're doing this to actually impact people's lives. And like you said, you're going after, you know, the nine to five people because every day when we're going out, whether that be getting our coffee, gas, whatever, we see all these people and we just, you know, we wish that they would be able to see what we see with the entrepreneurial journey or not necessarily the entrepreneurial journey, but the self-development journey. And what that can do, because I don't know about you, but I look at someone and all I see is potential. And a lot of times it's sad. I see almost like a burnt up star, especially when I see, you know, a homeless person or someone that struggles with their weight or drug addiction or anything, because I used to be those people. And those are the types of people that eventually I want to start nonprofits to help, especially with childhood obesity. That's going to be my first nonprofit I start to work with is that because I was that kid. I was that overweight kid that got bullied. And I know how hard that is. And it just all comes down to like being educated on the topics and stuff like that. Like our education system so fucked up and we're not learning anything that's worth a shit when we actually graduate high school and stuff like that and get put in the real world, which is why most people are average, which is why it's even easier to not be average when you just put the time and effort and energy. And I know both of us like seeing, you know, people on that journey, like there was a 19 year old kid that was at your event Christian and just seeing him was freaking phenomenal because if I was at an event like that at the age of 19, dude, I would, <laughs> I don't even know where I'd be. I'd be a lot further ahead than I am now. And just people like that, and just, that's such an inspirational moment to see, like, there is a potential for other people. And just you being that person that can show the light to the nine to fivers, you know, the blue collar workers and stuff like that. So I give you mad props, Brad. That is fucking phenomenal, man. Thanks, bro. <clears throat> And uh, yeah, so what's your plan for, you know, Unite and Conquer next year? Are you going to do a bigger, better? I mean, you with always wanting to do bigger and better, you already like were critiquing yourself. Like you were getting like, oh, that was a great event. That was great. But in your mind, you're like, I could have done this better. I could have done that. Like that's the always be like learning and growing type of mindset. So I'm curious what your uh, future plans are for Unite and Conquer. Yeah, Whitney and I have a call scheduled next next week. Uh, we're going to do a brain dump session. Uh, we already know, like I already know from staging and lighting 
one other one thing I know I'm definitely going to do is I'm going to lean on more local people um, because I want this to be a community based event. You know, we we have the, we have a especially both of us we have a great digital platform, right? Our digital platform is coast to coast. We could have all of the greatest speakers come in, um, but I definitely want to make this. I want to start finding, and, and this is Allentown's still a blue collar area, but we have some amazing entrepreneurs here. We have some amazing men and women that are part of the community that no one has no clue who they are. It's because they don't understand how to use their plat. They they don't even have a platform. I want to be able to create a platform so people can know like we have greatness right here, right here in the valley. We have great entrepreneurs. We have great. We have people in this area that have overcome adversity, like the same things that we've seen with the people that we see up on stage. But the only difference is they're up on stage and they're still here, boots on the ground, because they're they're not vocal about it. So I definitely want to bring some more community closeness. I'm going to do something with more vendors outside that are giving back, um, that are supporting the cause of giving back. Like everyone has to be in the concept that we are doing things for others that can never repay us. Like that's got to be the intentionality behind it. And then I got some cool shit for staging and lighting. And like, I want you to like, <clears throat> I didn't hit the mark when that music went, I wanted people to feel it in their bones. So I already got this crazy sound system played out for the next one. Like when that music starts, you're going to feel that shit vibrate your head. Um, so it's just some cool shit, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be bigger and better. There's no question about that. Well, I can't freaking wait. I know we were already talking about a uh, plan and I just want to touch on something. So I remember the day that you gave me that call when you're like, I got an idea. You're, you're like, I'm going to plant this seed. And I just want to say thank you for that, because not only like has we been able to build an amazing group, but your son and a couple others have become my best friends in the whole world. Like I trust these dudes as my life. And the fact that I've only had the opportunity to meet them one time in person, but yet I'm so close to these guys. I just want to say thank you for that. And I want to know what made you decide that you wanted to plant that seed. Like how did that come to fruition where you're like, I need to contact Parker and Oliver and Brian and Shane to put something together like what was going through your mind because you know most people they might have heard a calling from god or like been like oh that'd be kind of cool to do and most people want to take an action but you took action right away and never look back and now look at the group yeah um and and just just so everyone knows you know uh, oliver and a couple of our arte brothers and my son they they started a group um of and it's, it's like-minded young professionals. So it came, uh, Brian and I were doing something for his landscaping business. And he called and he asked the question. He was like, hey, how do I do ABC? And then, he, and obviously I'm his dad. You know, he's, he, he knows he can call me for anything and I will always have his back. But I said to him, now, as this conversation's happening, I'm seeing from my lens, I'm watching you and I'm watching Parker and I'm watching what you guys are doing on your social and I'm seeing you participate in the RTA calls and I know you're part of First Form. So I know you guys are drinking the same juice that I'm drinking at my age, at your age. So I'm watching this and I, I said to him, I was like, so who do you have? Because I know all of his friends. I know every single one of them. They like our house growing up was the house. So like all of the boys came to, it was like, our house was like base camp. Um, so like, and he's got great, great, 
you know, some of the men in the, the young men in his got life, they're they're great guys. Their in, their integrity is always up on 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 point. But I said to him, I said, who do you have in your peer group that you can go to, that you can talk to, to level up? Like I know you you have me. <clears throat> I said, but who do you like? Who do you go to? Like, cause you can't always go to dad. Like it's, it's just, it's good, but it's not good. Like you need to expand. Like I know for me, part of what helped us accelerate at a rapid rate with our companies was I have a network I could go to and I could ask questions of people that are on chapter 10 and chapter 15 that are in my peer group. And he's like, I got no one. I said, I got an idea. I want to introduce you to a couple guys. And immediately I thought of you. I thought of Parker. Shane is actually, you heard the story with Shane. Shane was just a, 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 a very professional young salesperson that I was attracted to just because the way he handled himself at such an, at a young age, which is very uncommon. Um, and then I just thought, there's not enough young men like you connecting with each other. Like you guys are in a, in a very unique situation because you have all of the technology to expand, but yet one of the challenges is being able to connect real relationships because everything's so digital. You guys live in a digital, a digital age. You grew up in a digital age. The old heads here are still, you know, meet and greet, handshake, hug, you know, phone call. I want to hear you. So it was just that it was just time, you know, I, I definitely believe in proper timing. I think me watching you guys and just being part of a little fly on the wall for you. And then my son just kind of being where he was at that. Um, it was just something again, that builds into the identity of who I am. Like I want to help continue to build future leaders. You know, one of the things that I took pride in at LA fitness was, I took pride in building up my young teams and I had nothing but young 20 year olds working for me. And I remember people would say, Oh, millennials are, you know, they're, 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 they're lazy and they're uh, entitled. I'd be like, I'll show you a set of killers that I have that are 20 years old that will outwork any one of your old asses. And it's very, the crazy thing is, is we see this at first form. We have almost a billion dollar a year company that's ran by 20 year olds, people in their twenties. I'm still waiting for Andy to drop the bomb to say, fuck all your excuses. Look at what I built with 20 year olds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I'm still waiting for that to come out somewhere. I don't think anyone's talking about it enough. Like we have this amazing organism, this amazing company that is the, the core group are in their twenties. And you're going to tell me that 20 year olds are lazy and entitled. I don't, not the 20 year olds that I know. So this is where I came, where if I have the ability to help navigate and bring young men together so I can continue to feed the, the thing that feeds my soul is creating future leaders with young men. Um, it just fills my cup, bro. That's where it came from. Hell yeah. No, it's greatly appreciated, man. I mean, the group has turned out absolutely phenomenal. I look forward to the calls every single week, and I talk to those deeps on a daily basis, and it's, there's nothing better than that because, you know, for a while there, you go through, like, no man's land where you feel like you got no one, and then you kind of find your next tribe, like I found in First Form and Arte. But within Arte, like, 
there's a big age difference. And then you said like they have the five, the 10, 15 and 20 years just to have a group of guys that are kind of on the same playing field as me that basically, I mean, they're all my age, exactly my age, which is perfect because, you know, we still have sometimes where we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're young, young men compared. We can't have those types of conversations with the older guys. Cause it's like, they can't even relate to what we're going through at the moment. They went through that already 10, 15 years ago, but just to have that is just such a sense of fulfillment. And it brings me joy. So I just want to say thank you for that, bro. That's awesome. Fucking love that. <clears throat> That's great. And uh, I got one more thing before we get out of here. So I know you worked 20 years within the fitness industry at LA Fitness as being like a cold-hearted, killing entrepreneur. What was it like with being an entrepreneur compared to your transition to being an entrepreneur now? Oh, it was everything. Um, I couldn't be the entrepreneur. And, you know, I told you, you know, we hear about how people went through all of their heartbreak years and their beginning stages of entrepreneurship because I was an entrepreneur and a fucking amazing entrepreneur. And I, I, I don't say that like, like boastful and braggadocious. Like <clears throat> I was a fucking beast at what I did. Like I loved what I did. I loved going to work every day. I love the systems. I love the structure. I loved everything about LA fitness. We wouldn't be here if I wasn't an amazing entrepreneur and <clears throat> Where it really came to life is when I remember when Andy came out with the MFCEO project and this is 2015 and I'm a VP in my role. Um, I have all of PA South Jersey and kind of doing my thing, leading my teams. And I remember I would have an hour drive to every one of my clubs, unless I was in Allentown, like everywhere I had to go, there was an hour drive. So every single morning, I'm listening to MFCEO. I'm listening to personal development. And I'm feeding this, 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 um, this hunger that I had for growth. And I remember Andy talking about, you know, whether it's like systems and process and culture and how to team build and how to hold people accountable. Now, mind you, I had training from LA Fitness, but there's always going to be someone in your life that when they say something, it just hits different. It just, it, you just, you just, let me, re, you receive it different. So I'm driving and I'm like, I'm doing that. 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 Yes. I'm doing this and this, that right there was giving me some self-confirmation. Like I am doing the things that this entrepreneur is doing that this guy that has this amazing company who's has a multiple 70 figure year company, I am doing the same things in my corporate role that he's doing as an entrepreneur. That's when it, that is when the real belief building, because no one gave us that play at LA fitness. They would give us some structure and I don't want to take anything away from LA fitness, but the stuff that Andy was teaching I was not getting that from anyone in the organization. It was all from learning and kind of self, you know, hey, this is what I wanted to do. Like I remember bringing my social media to life way before anybody else in the company was doing it. Like I remember taking pictures on member appreciation day. We would do these champion nights. I would do team building. I'd put it on my social media. Like I remember always doing this. And then I start listening to Andy and how important it is to team build and create culture. That's what I was doing with every district that I had. 
And the men and women that, that have been with me, they know exactly what I'm talking about because they lived it, right? So as I'm going through this journey with teaching, you know, these young men uh, and women about the culture and uh, about how to work on the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and the financial, when when you start going through these different avenues, I started to learn as an, as an entrepreneur, why can't I do this for myself? Like it was instrumental, like those 20 years of the corporate infrastructure of the, uh, of the just being inside the box gave me the foundation to pull that into all of my businesses from process, culture, team building, sales process, retention, communication, all of the things I learned inside the box and how to stay in the box, I could put now into all of my companies. And I, I you know, you hear people, and I, I'm gonna make this a valid point because you hear people always say, oh, well, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'll never work for anybody else again. I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't work for someone. Not everyone can be an entrepreneur. I'm just telling you, everyone thinks they could do it. But when you got like, when you got to get up and you're self-motivated, and I think this is, this is what made me a good entrepreneur. I really acted like I owned LA Fitness. <laughs> like I really, I took pride. Like my team knew, like I would wipe down countertops. I would empty garbage bags. I would pick up dirt. I would shovel snow. And I would do this all through my tenure. Even when I was an executive VP, I would be out there boots on the ground. Like that was my fucking name on the building. And when you do that and you, you create that type of culture with your team and you lead from the front by acting as if I own it, when you start owning all the little, when you start to own the shit and you start to own all of the bad, it's so easy to own all the good as an, as an owner. And, you know, just being able to own all those little responsibilities where most people in an entrepreneur type of corporate structure they would walk in and they would see garbage bags that were overflowing and they would say, Hey, can you get the janitor up here? Where I'm like, I'm going to fucking empty this. If this was my name on the building, I'm going to empty my garbage and I'm going to take it out. I remember countless times people saying, Hey, don't you got someone for that? And I'm like, yeah, me. There's no difference in me. Like, why can't I walk by it? If I own this and I walk by an empty garbage can, you better, better believe I'm going to, I'm going to empty it. First thing I did today when I came in to open up the spa, turned all the lights on, wiped all the countertops down, went through with a vacuum, made sure everything was prime and prepped. We call it a club pride. We make sure it's a spa pride. We, I, when people walk into this establishment, I want it picture perfect. And that came from being an entrepreneur. Without me being an entrepreneur, I would have not moved at the rate that I've moved in my entrepreneurship. Like I owe it all to that infrastructure, that process, that system. Yeah. I think too many people devalue. I would love to hear that. That's entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of the skills and stuff I learned is when I was working as a sales, uh, like commercial sales rep for grow generation. I use a lot of the skills and stuff, especially the people I use that in my business now. And it's helped me out a tremendous amount. Yeah. For sure. So, 
with that being said, we're running out of time. I always ask my guests on here, what book has made the biggest impact on your life? Ooh, wow. It's a tough one. It's a tough that one. I know. So many good ones. Ooh, man. Uh, still till this day. Um, Man, which one you want me to tie that down to one book, bro? That's, fucking, one that's book. hard. One book, one brother. book. I would say Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill. Uh Think and Grow Rich. That was the first book that when he gets into the, the chapter about vis visualization. And being able to say something over and over again and visualize it in your mind, that uh, that think and grow rich. Yeah, think and grow rich. Yeah, That's if long. you haven't read it, get it. I would fucking read it. Um, and just understanding what those principles that come into with setting goals and saying it again and visualizing it. You know, this was a visual. Like where I'm at was a visualization. I remember that. The first book I ever really got into was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That definitely set the stage for my leadership platform. Second book I read was Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And there's a part, and, and if you guys haven't read it, there's a part where he talks about like really visualizing what you want. Like you got to really see it in your mind. And we've heard Andy talk about this technique. I've used this technique multiple, 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 multiple times in my life. And I remember the first time that I brought it to life. Is it okay to tell, we go on time to talk about this? Yeah, we're good. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I remember uh, I read it and I was still an entry level salesperson at LA Fitness. So I was working down in Warrington, which was about an hour south of Allentown. Allentown, the Allentown location was still not even built yet. We didn't even have a pre sale. And when I would drive home, I would have to drive by the Montgomeryville location that was literally being built. Like, you know, it was like plaster wall, drywall, still like in, in build mode. And I'll never forget. I remember reading the book. Uh, I absorbed it. And I, on the way home, I got out at like three o'clock that one day and I drove into the Montgomeryville location. And I remember just walking in, literally, it's still like, building it's like right smack dab in the middle of the building and i went up and if you've ever been in an la fitness one of the the cool things about an la fitness is there's a mezzanine that takes you up to your cardio deck and i remember standing on the mid platform and i just i stood there for probably about an hour and i just remember holding the bars and i just remember i could see myself going over and opening up the door for the first time and I could see myself with this club. Like I literally sat there and I envisioned it. And I remember taking this all in. And that was the seed that planted in my head for me being the guy that opened up the LA Fitness in Allentown. Like I, I could not, I still, till this day, I could see myself walking in. I, I have this permanently imprinted in my head of going in and being this guy that opens up the door and, I would think about it every day, every day. I would visualize it. Like I got to be the guy. I talked about it. I talked about it. I talked about it. Fast forward. This is going about a year into it. Um, I get the call. Uh, no, I get the, uh, they start doing the planning for opening up the Allentown presale. I get the call and they're like, Hey, 
we know we initially talked about you being the GM, but we're actually, you're going to be the assistant GM. Um, this guy, Nick, is going to be the guy who's going to take lead just because he has more tenure. He's He's been with the company longer. You know, we feel it's a good fit for him. He's also from, from Allentown area. And I was just like, fuck you. I was so mad. I was literally, I was, I was pissed. I was just like, because like in my mind, I was going to be this guy. That happened uh, the first, that happened the last week of February of 2003. I'm sorry, 2004. I get a call literally two weeks later. Something happened in one of the Philly clubs. Nick got an immediate slide into a promotion, into an open club GM role. And I got the call. They were like, hey, I'll never forget the call. It was Chad, Chad Abramo. Chad calls and he's like, uh, hey, if I threw you out in the water, do you think you'd stay afloat? And I was like, Chad, not only would I stay afloat, my ass is swimming back to shore. That's how sure I am. Like, I'm not just going to stay out in the water. I'm swimming back to shore. I'll be good. And he goes, we're going to have you open up the Allentown pre-sale and you're going to be the guy that opens up the LA Fitness Allentown. And I'll never forget November 30th of 2004. We opened it up. Uh, it was We opened it up on the last day of the month of the 30th. I remember we opened it at four o'clock. I'm getting goosebumps from this. This is fucking crazy. And I remember uh, getting all the signs and the garbage cans. We did the last quick clean of the club. And I remember walking up to the front desk. I remember walking up to the front desk and literally I had to stop because I had this moment where I was the guy that was opening up the door for the first time. And there was just a crowd of people out front. So this goes to answer your thing about the book. Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich teaches you how to really visualize and lock in on a goal. That book, that thought, that vision, I truly believe is what got me to the position. And then from there, the second I opened that door, we broke records. We broke records in the company. We broke records with gym membership sales. We broke re like every, we broke every fucking record that you could possibly think of for almost two and a half years, and that set my foundation for the rest of my my tenure. And that that lasted almost twenty years because I locked it in my mind on the vision on what I had. <clears throat> that right there, I mean, that book's made a huge difference in my life. I mean, many of the guests have said that's one of their favorites and the biggest impact. If you haven't read that book, you need to fucking read that book. The power of visualization is so powerful. The house I live in, I visualize. The the facility I'm working on, I visualize. Everything I have in my life currently, I visualize it at one point or another. And it's just so powerful because you have to see it in your mind before you can actually make it come to physical reality. So making sure that you guys read that book, highly recommend it. So where can they find you at, Brad? Brad Modrich, everything, uh, www.bradmodrich.com, Brad Modrich, that's B-R-A-D-M-O-D-R-I-C-H, uh, that's Brad Modrich on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, any platform, it's just my first, it's my last name, and you can connect with me. Perfect. I'll make sure to have that in the <clears throat> show notes below. 
Uh, guys, if you have any questions or anything you want me to answer on the podcast, make sure to email those in at olivergoulet at thefreshhope.com. And I appreciate you guys joining us today. If you guys found any value in this show, make sure you share it. I don't run any ads or anything like that. And, you know, you could be the missing link to help someone change your life. And there was tons of value in this one. So once again, thank you for joining me today, Brad. And I appreciate you as always, brother. I appreciate you, man. Let me tell you about you for a second. You just keep doing what you're doing because we need young men and women like you on the foreground, leading and showing the next generation how the fuck it's supposed to be done. So I'm proud of you, bro. Keep up the great work. And the, the same the same appreciation and love that you have for what I've done, that is the other side of the coin where I feel for you, bro. Just proud that you're in my life. You're in my kid's life. Just keep doing what you're doing. And we are going to grow this motherfucking thing together. I promise you. Hell yeah. I appreciate that a lot, Brad. And listeners, remember this. Always remember, there's a fresh hope for a better you. I love you.